Where the Whiteboards Are, a podcast by educators about all things education. So folks, on this episode, we have two very special guests with us. We have Mitzi and Kay, and they are actually retired. Now, please note that all of us are doing air quotes when we say retired. Um, and they're going to talk a little bit more about that. So I'd like to just start with Mitzi. Could you kind of tell us maybe what you taught, how many years and um, a little bit of that? I retired with 30 years of experience. I started in special education at the elementary level, then moved to an elementary self-contained classroom for um, that I taught in a trailer. That was an experience. And then we built a middle school at the district I was at, and I moved to the middle school and taught math and science. And then I had a discovery class, and our facts teacher was upset and hurt that our district was cutting a facts program. I went and got facts certification, so I just started teaching facts at the middle school. And then after about 20 years of teaching, I transferred to the high school to teach family and consumer sciences. So I retired from one one district I taught in two, 26 years in one and two in the other. I've been retired 10 years. I spent a couple years in retirement subbing, and I'm now at a local university teaching health and supervising student teachers, and I serve on our local school board. Yes, yes. <laughs> that was new Sorry, news yeah, to was. you, right? I mean, you I feel didn't like know? I did know, but now I'm reminded. And oh. so, yeah. Yeah, gotcha. So, retired. There you go. <laughs> retired <And> light. <laughs> Kay has been on our show before. She was on our library episode um, that came out, I don't know, several months ago at this yeah, point yeah, in time. It's been a while. Um, but if you would like to just like reintroduce yourself to our listeners, that'd be awesome. Well, I have retired with 32 years' experience. And I started in the social sciences in the high school. And then in 0102, I became certified in the library. And I finished out the remainder of my career um, doing middle school and high school library. And I retired in June of 2020. And what have you been doing since June of 2020? (laughs) (laughs) Well, I took July of 2020 off. Excellent. And um, I have been substituting in the district that I retired from since August of 2020. Basically continuously. (laughs) Right. Right? Pretty much. The first year was not so continuous. I did sub my fair amount, but... um, The past two years have been, well, last year was continuous, and this year has started that way. Yeah. That district is very, very lucky to have you, like, even in their building at this point in time. Around. (laughs) Right. Um, I want to know, just kind of for our listeners, a brief overview of just how retirement works in the state of Missouri. Um, It doesn't have to be, like, super detailed, but just, like, maybe you could explain, like, the 80 and out rule or... Um, what they use for how you get paid every month? or I did 80 and out. Um, my parents were having some health issues, and it was more beneficial for me to do an 80 and out than it was to go ahead and teach the additional two years to be 30 years. I still get full retirement benefits. Um, they just took my age and the years of experience, and so long as they 
were equivalent to 80. I was able to retire with full benefits. Um, I will tell you that I got a pay raise when I retired, which was crazy because the, they take your five highest years of salary. I had some years where career ladder was still in existence, mm-hmm. and I was old enough that I had a couple paychecks from career ladder with, that were the full $5,000. No taxes, no retirement, no nothing taken out of them. So my five years of highest salary was based probably seven or eight years before I retired. So it was actually a pay raise for me, which was crazy. Yeah. Wow. Um, that happened with me too. So, you know, you fill out your paperwork, they tell you what your benefits are going to be, and you decide if that's high enough for you to go ahead and decide to retire. I never have to worry about whether my retirement's going to be there because we are a self-sustained retirement system. We're not government-bound. We're individual. And my paycheck comes every month regularly right into my banking account, and I don't have to do anything. That's so. fantastic. We can look forward to that in yeah. the old, I don't know, 20 years from now. Yeah, it's 20. Yeah. So, it's year 11. Uh, anything you want to add, Kay? Did I forget something? No, I don't think so. You just... Um, need to make them aware that you're planning on. I would suggest that you go to some of the retirement seminars that they offer. Um, They're very informational. Um, They will help you decide if it's advantageous for you to actually retire when you're wanting to or if you do need to stay another year or two. Um, And also, they're very helpful. You can, um, I made numerous phone calls and they Mm -hmm. talked me through anything that I needed um, to know at that point in time. So I would encourage anyone that is thinking about that to attend those seminars or just call and ask if you have questions. Before you substitute or take another position that is similar to teaching, you have to have, is it a 90-day 90 90-day 90 separation oh, okay. from that district? Oh, okay. Mm-hmm. You That's can't retire in May and then go back as a retiree. I retiring. couldn't do anything until and almost the well, when school started in yeah. August. So you can't retire in May and then go back and, and teach summer school. They won't let you gotcha. do that. There has to be a separation. And the one nice thing, and I've considered this, and if the right position would come open, I would do it with critical need. Yes. You can go back mm-hmm. and teach and draw that full salary and continue to, to uh, draw Whoa. your benefit, your wow. benefits for retirement. Yeah. So if the right position became open, uh-huh. I would be willing to do that for a year to pad my savings. <laughs> you want to teach English? I'm, I'm not, <laughs> I am not certified to teach high school English, but I certainly appreciate that. And I'd have to give up my spot on the school board if I did that. Oh, that is true. Now, when I first retired, there were limitations on how many hours I could actually sub in school district. Um, it was 550 hours per school year. Um, but partially due to COVID, I think, mm-hmm. um, they have lifted that as of right now until 2025. And I retirees are allowed to sub as much as you want in a school mm-hmm. district um, because there's just not subs right. available. Right. So I think this was to try to encourage um, retirees to help out. Now, do you receive a bump in your sub pay for being a retired teacher for the district that you... Absolutely not. Okay. 
Mm. Um, I just know my uh, my dad works in Indiana, and so at his school, if you are a retired teacher from that community, um, I think they pay two hundred and fifty dollars a day. Oh my! Um, I want to say wow. it's two hundred. I could be wrong, but I think it's two hundred and fifty dollars. <laughs> are you in moving? Indiana? This yes. is, is not Wait. Bella. No, this, <laughs> this is, is not, not the land of milk um, and honey. <laughs> I think this this is in Indiana. I think it's two hundred and fifty. I could be a little off on that number, but I know it was very high. I was shocked. Now, um, is that all the time or was that just during COVID? It's now, but it's because of gotcha. the the shortage in, in subs. And they said, hey, we want our retired professionals to be back in our classrooms because we need that them. I idea mm-hmm. to support the people that have supported you all those years and to keep them in that connection alive. That's a really great idea. That's right. good community building. Well, and it's so much more valuable to have a sub in your room who's had teaching experience right. oh my gosh, versus sure. somebody who's just walking in and we're really kind of hoping for the best in the experience. <laughs> Fingers crossed. Right. So, yeah. And Hay and I kind of had that conversation a week or so ago. Of, as a board member, I think it would be beneficial if we looked at layers mm-hmm. of sub pay. Mm-hmm. Yes. Mm-hmm. These, no offense to the young people coming in that don't have any college hours at all, but they've gone through the certification process. Mm-hmm. They have... So little to give to a classroom compared to a, a veteran teacher. Yeah. So I think if we had that level and then we had the mid-level of the people who had 60 hours plus of college. Yeah. And then we had the college graduates or a certified teacher. I think that we would get more quality subs as well. But then it becomes the financial issue. How do you pay that? How do you justify it? How right. do you t- keep the records of who's at what, on what level? But I think we would get better subs if we were able to differentiate between certified and non-certified. Just my opinion. Not well, I totally agree because honestly, I mean, I work for right now about $10 an hour is what um, my sub pay equates just yeah. as a regular sub. I mean, after 10 days, if I'm there um, for the same position, then it goes to long-term and that does bump it a little bit um, to about McDonald pay. Um, so, um, you know, it would be nice to have that going in, knowing that I would receive just a little more. I'm kind of in a unique situation, though, because I need to have a very flexible job and um, due to my mother's health and so that I can be away and do whatever. And the district that I'm subbing in, which is the one I retired from, and I don't sub at any other school, um, they're very flexible in letting me, if something comes up with my mother, I get to go and do that. Or, And, you know, I couldn't have that with a normal part-time job. So I do appreciate that benefit of being a substitute. Mm-hmm. Um, for just, like, retirement info, I think all of us, table are aware, but if you were listening and you weren't aware, um, the retirement systems aren't the same across states. So like if you are a teacher and you're just getting started in teaching, it's really important for you to be aware of your own state's retirement system. Um, Missouri is not offering a lot of teaching benefits, but we do have a pretty decent retirement system. Um, So we're not like killing it on teacher pay by any means, Um, but teacher retirement, good. Um, That's not the case everywhere. And if you start your teaching career outside of Missouri, mm-hmm. Missouri does allow you to buy other years of teaching experience, which will pad your retirement 
in Missouri, but you have to pay for those years. Right. <laughs> and that's for public school teachers. Yes. yes. For those in the private schools, unfortunately, that's you're not part of that system in our state. Or um, two-year colleges, like OTC mm -hmm. is part of it, but a four-year school, I'm pretty sure it isn't. Right? No. Like I'm, yeah. Because the yeah, university yeah. that I teach at mm -hmm. does not go into my retirement. It right. goes into my social security and all of that wonderful stuff that I'll never get because yeah, I you get to teach. But it does not count toward my actual teacher retirement. Well, and you mentioned career ladder earlier. I wonder if very similar to career ladder where there are steps, like if you're a zero year teacher, you can earn up to, I think it's $3,000 if you're a one or two year teacher. Okay, no. um, and then career ladder, if you're a veteran teacher, you can earn up to $5,000. Um, and so they brought career ladder back this past year. And I just know this because I've been working on my hours. You have to earn so many hours in addition to your teaching hours in order to receive that that bonus pay, um, which would be like in the summertime. So hopefully this summer I will have, you know, an extra $5,000, which would, that's really nice to know that it does go to your retirement as part of your highest um, three years of service. Um, so I wonder if, again, back to subs, if we could do something very similar to that where it is a Tiered. A tiered system, and then it's it's like you've done so many hours, and then you get a bump. You've done so many, kind of like how you said you get a bump mm -hmm. if it's a long-term versus I, a short-term, um, but do it the same way, but with years of experience or certified, non-certified, um, something like that would be really, really good. The interesting thing with Career Ladder is not every district is choosing to go back and right, implement right. it. Um, the district that I'm on the school board with, we talked to our teachers about it, they weren't interested. We polled them. They were not interested in having it brought back to the district because of the amount of work that they were doing. We do have um, a pretty decent pay for tutoring, and that's what a lot of them were using, so they were already getting paid for it. Now, I have a student teacher that is a MAT in a local district, and they have Career Ladder, and it is based on if you walk in, you can start Career Ladder, and it builds from step one. So I don't know what their pay increments are, but she is, as an MAT teacher, she's going to be allowed to be able to do career ladder for their district. Wow, that's, that's awesome. fantastic. That's a nice little bump in pay. Like, for sure, I, I definitely, this past summer, um, I already have 65 of my 100 hours. Um, the only reason I don't have the remaining hours because they have to be direct student contact, contact. Mm -hmm. um, which I will get, obviously, this school year with, Tutoring or various things like that, you can you can earn those hours. Helping with Scholar Bowl, yeah, helping with Scholar oh, Bowl, yeah. judging um, competitions, things like that. Did you take on the Scholar Bowl coach role? I did not. Oh, okay. um, then she couldn't count it for career ladder because oh, that'd you. be her stipend, yeah. right? Uh, but if you just sense. wanted to go work a Scholar Bowl tournament right. and read for the kids, yeah, boom, career ladder. Yep. So nice. Yeah. So like, there's. Yeah. I mean, it is definitely attainable and achievable. Yeah. I like that concept of with the career ladder, especially with like talking about Scholar Bowl and creating opportunities to support things that are already existing. So other clubs, co-curriculars, things like that. Like tutoring is um, obviously really good to get paid for, but sometimes having another teacher's presence to insert and add um, their own skill set to support something that already exists 
um, I see a lot of benefit to that. Um, so that's, that's neat. Um, for sure. If you need any ideas, Mitzi and I, longtime <laughs> members uh, of the career yeah. ladder committee, uh-huh. longtime chairmen of the career ladder committee. Perfect. Yeah. Perfect. I'll, I'll uh, definitely be uh, <laughs> keeping my ear out for you guys to. So I have you. a question yeah. for you all. So in your years of experience, I'm so curious about the change that you've seen in students and maybe even families, but I mean, even the small amount of time that I've been around education, just there's changes, right? There's trends and behaviors and things like that. So I'm super curious to hear. Um, right now, I believe the biggest change from, I don't know, I feel like I haven't retired, um, <laughs> <laughs> but um, is the motivation level and lack thereof. Um, and also the willingness to tell you that they don't care. Mm-hmm. Um, when I hand out an assignment, um, you know, they'll just sit there or do something else. I'm like, I really need you to work on this. Yeah, I don't want to do it. I, I, how did that become a choice? I, you know, and then they'll be like, mm, I'll just do it later. I do think some of that comes down to certain policies that have been put in place um, with turning in late work and Mm -hmm. percentages that they can receive um, as a district policy. So they don't feel that if they're okay with a certain lesser grade, they don't feel the need to work on that. So I guess this, I didn't know this, but this is my follow-up question is when we taught at the district, they had implemented a no late work policy where it was, if it's late, it's, you're not getting points for it at all anymore. Um, So that's been changed. It has been. Interesting. It has Um, been. Is that because they noticed like so many kids were failing or just a, a, like a principal um, maybe stance? We can always talk about it off air too, if we need to. (laughs) Sorry, (laughs) listeners. Sorry, listeners. I just was curious. Part of it came from another big change that I see, and that's the parental support that we get. Right. when I first started teaching in 87. I was six years old. Shut up. I was not <laughs> minus <yet>. four. <laughs> Sub four. Just trying to help add context there. Just, you know. Thanks so very much. That's great. So anyway, back when dinosaurs roamed the world and I started teaching, we had parents who were able to come in and be involved we didn't have as many two-parent families that were working. You know, both parents worked outside. So now there's either only one parent or both parents work outside, and there's no one there to do the communication for the kids. So if there's no one there to be an advocate for that kid at home, we as teachers have to become that advocate. And it's hard to do that when you've got a kid who knows that when he goes home, his parents don't care what his grade is. So I think that's a big major change is the parental component. Um, Technology is a huge change for me. I know that the first year, well, the last year I was teaching before I retired, my principal came to me with several things of, oh, we're going to implement this technology next year. We're going to do this. (laughs) I was a little rebellious. 
I know that's going to find out. Not you. I know you find that hard to believe, but I was a little rebellious, and I'm like, no, I'm not doing that. I'm retiring. So I was fortunate enough that my student teacher, I thought, was going to take over for me. So we trained her to do some of those things that they wanted me to do technology-wise. And then three years later, I ended up in a classroom that was almost all technology because I subbed for a young lady who had um, breast cancer. And I was like, oh, my gosh, I don't know how to do this. Well, now at the university level, you'd be so proud of me. I do not use Blackboard. I use Google folders for my children, and I, I actually am able to do it pretty easily. So, okay, techno- <laughs> so technology is a big change. You know, I did the purple purple mimographs and the overhead projectors, and now they have all kinds of computerized stuff that is so far above what my teacher training was. So, I mean, I think that's an added stress. I can still smell the purple mimeograph machine. <laughs> Just you saying those words, I can still smell, smell and, that. And hear it. Yep. Yep. <laughs> I have, I'd like to explore just a little bit. Kay, you said a lack of motivation. Is it truly a lack of motivation or is it they are motivated by different things? And if so, like, what do you think has changed as far as what motivates students? I would like to say that there's been a change for their motivation, but I think some of them just don't want to do anything. Um, sad to say. Um, and I don't, necessarily want to blame COVID for that, but I do think that year had a big effect um, where kids weren't in school and it was virtual and they really weren't personally connected. And, um, you know, I just think that there's not a lot that motivates some of them. So um, do, do you think it's just a lack of investment in education as an institution because mm-hmm. of that? Mm-hmm. I agree. So, it, you know. I completely agree with that statement. Um, I was also going to say, too, though, that some of them that aren't motivated, we have several kids that work, and they're working after school um, at night. Mm-hmm. And then so by the time they get home and oh, – Homework really isn't a concept anymore to anyone. I mean, you can assign homework, but it's not going to get done. So, um, but they're tired when they come to school because they've been at school all day. They leave, they go straight to work. They're working a lot of hours and then they come back. And so some of my kids are just tired um, because some of them are trying to better themselves by having an actual paying job. Yeah. So well, money, 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 yeah. money. Mm-hmm. <laughs> well, and we know, uh, you know, kids at that age level don't have like long-term, they don't have perception of long-term consequences. And so if you're really just trying to like make ends meet as a family, it's really easy for school. I'm sure not to seem very useful because you would go and use that time to do work and get paid. Like, we know school is beneficial in the long run. Oh, yeah. But if you're all short-term right now, and I th- it's hard. I think that goes back point. to the late work policy. You asked what would right. the change was. And I think that we went through a, a series of there were so many kids who weren't turning things in because of work or sports or just family stuff going on that the district thought that the solution was to give them longer to do it. Maybe if we gave them longer 
they would be able to get it turned in. And we went through a series of no late work to some late work to so long as they got it turned in by the end of the semester, they could get credit for it. And and I, I will tell you, as a board member, when that was presented, I went, no. And the, I, I'm i kind of known to vote my mind on my school board. <laughs> and I voted against that change because I'm like, all we're doing is telling kids that it doesn't really matter right. so long as you eventually get it done. Well, I'd like a job that I could go into and sit for two months. And then eventually, I would still get all of my pay, and I'd done nothing. And so we went from that to to now we're back to a system of um, you can have late work, but it's only so late and with some deductions, and you can only get an 80%. Okay, what did I say wrong here? No, no, no. I was, I was going to make a snarky comment. I, I'm pretty sure there is a job where you can sit there and do nothing for two months and still get paid. It's uh, t- teaching, I think, English one. Um, Whoa! Watch a lot of, oh, uh, I'm sorry. English teachers. I thought this was going to be a Pawn Stars reference. I was really waiting for a Pawn Stars reference. Okay, it could be Pawn Stars or Austin Powers, either one. I stand corrected. <laughs> I'm sorry. Also, but it wasn't you. For the last three years, I taught English one, and I do take offense to oh, that. Oh, I'm so sorry. So now I'm in the doghouse. We can uh, fight later. So, on this concept of like changes with students and motivation, you know, you talked about a, this is a district wide policy that affects all teachers. So, that takes, you know, ownership away from an individual teacher from their classroom. Have you seen, you know, from when you first started in education or maybe when you first kind of got into the, you know, the governance leadership aspect of, you know, involved in your school district, have you seen policies kind of overreach and stripping power away from teachers um, and and allowing them to kind of manage their own classroom in in some aspect? If I had been in the district when they had a you could turn anything in throughout the course of the semester, I would have had a fit because I always ran my classroom on a no late work period. You had the sign Even, on your trash yeah, can. Yeah, trash can. Yes, yes I did. Work. That's where it late was, work went. It was yeah. fundamental. Uh, <laughs> yeah. My first year of teaching. Oh, yeah. yeah. And, and it truly like was kind of my how I modeled what I did too because <laughs> whenever, it turned, yeah, whenever it came to assignments, and it, you know, and you also mentioned homework's not something that they mm-hmm. really do much anymore, if at all. So the fact that they're not turning in assignments means that they're just not doing them in class. Right. Like while they're at school, they're not doing anything. And and I patterned my class over. If you use your time in class wisely, you're right. not going to have homework. Right. So right. that's why I felt very comfortable. I don't do late work. Now I had some turn it in not finished. Well, that's okay. Then it became my option of, do I let them finish it? Were they working hard during class and they just didn't get it finished? Or were they goofing off? But no, my trash can had late work on one side and no name on the other. And that's (laughs) how I rolled from the minute I taught at elementary. I mean, when I taught elementary kids, I did not take papers without names and I did not take late work. And when we discussed the policy of, let's give them the whole semester, um, as a board, I, I commented, I could not do this. 
And I had a board member look at me and go, well, you can't run an effective classroom on a no labor <gasps> path That policy. is rude. That's rude. And, and, and I turned around to my principal and I looked at my past principal that I worked at the school district. And then I looked at him and I said, how many late work things did I um, accept? And he went, none. And I said, <laughs> how many failing kids did I have in my classroom? And he said, very few. Well, I took it as it was my job. If there was a student failing or not getting work done, that's my job to help figure out why. Don't give them two months extra. Figure out what the problem is and solve it. So, yeah, I. it's hard because as as policies are built and they're mandated from the top down, I think it lessens the teacher's ability to function in their own classroom because they lose their identity in the concept that they're teaching. Just, just yeah. my yeah. thoughts. I want to be able to run my classroom effectively, and sometimes the school district's policies don't match what I think is going to be effective. Yeah, I agree I think with that. Be. Rebel. <laughs> <laughs> I think it would be interesting, like, let's take a, you know, a school handbook from today and compare it to one from, you know, the 80s or board policy handbook from now to then and just compare just. Cell phones. <laughs> that would be the wild, oh, yeah. like technology uh, components. That would be the yeah. wild west or whatever. You're like all of a sudden. Yeah. Oh, yeah. We've oh, throughout my teaching, we went from there were no cell phones right. to only the elite few had cell phones. To we need to not have them in our classroom at all because they're a disruption. To everyone now has a cell phone. To well, it's okay if you use them sometimes, depending on what you're doing with them. Well, yeah, monitor that too. Um, then we allowed it all the time, and now I'm not sure what they're back to. I think they mm -hmm. can use it either in the hall or at lunch, but. Not in the classroom. So yeah. that's a huge change. It changes every year, I feel like. Yes. Can you think of any other examples of, you know, what he's asking about where, like, the policy overreaches into, like, besides the late work policy? That's, that's a really obvious one. Anything else that stands out to you as having interfered in individual classrooms? Not off the top of my head, but hmm. sometimes it feels as though you're more for lack of a better term, micromanaged than yeah. other, depending upon the administration at the time and the board at the time. I think another one is curriculum mm -hmm. and mm -hmm. how it is written, how it is stored, and how it is implemented. Because there are several districts that have a very set, here is the curriculum, this is what you're going to teach. And that gives the teacher um, lack of creativity sometimes, I think. And the creativity is sometimes how we hook our kids. Mm -hmm. We get them to buy in. Mm -hmm. And I, if there's a format for curriculum say, that is great, I would love to see it. Because, and is there a perfect template for that? No, I don't think so. No. But shouldn't it be for the teacher to create their curriculum, how it works for them? It's a living document. I mean, you know... And sometimes 
School districts get stuck in that. Oh, it's got to be in this format. It's got to be this certain way. It's got to work for the teacher that's doing it. And I think the keywords there were living document. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. It changes. It, it changes. Has to. It, has to. it changes Correct. with the times. It changes with the students. Changes it with changes the with the teacher. Um, it changes mm -hmm. with the district. And I supervise student teachers in a very large district. And last semester, they have a very set, here's your curriculum and you're going to teach it. And I saw the same lesson taught three times, and it was never taught the same way, even with that black and white, here's what you're going to teach. And that, so, that's a testament to the educators being yes. able to adapt it right. to their yes. teaching style. Yeah. Right. But if you have a district that doesn't want you to adapt, then that curriculum is going to mandate how you're taught as well as the policy. Right. I guess mm -hmm. they'd, they'd have to catch me outside on that, though. <laughs> me like, too. Okay, you'd, you'd have to be like, right. you'd have to be in my room every single day seeing how I taught the lessons. Or you would have to know the curriculum and no offense to administrators. <laughs> I think there are very few administrators that <laughs> know every curriculum. Yeah. Right. I know that when I taught, taught family and consumer sciences, it is so widespread of the things I teach. And I remember a past administrator coming in during my child development class, and we were discussing childbirth and yeah. the process <laughs> and STDs and how they affect that childbirth. And I had a very vocal, I mean, she was a hoot, student in the back of the room ask a very specific question. And I looked over at the table, and my administrator had gathered his stuff, <laughs> closed his book, and walked out. And that was the last evaluation I ever had from him. He never came he back. He never came back. Never came back. He would come to eat uh -huh. when we cooked, but mm -mm. <laughs> I'd also like you to share what you brought with you to grade whenever we had parent-teacher conferences, if you wouldn't mind sharing. What did I? Do you remember? Oh, yeah. We, this sticks in my mind all the time. I don't it, It's an anatomy quiz, right? It's an anatomy yeah. quiz. Of, a reproductive anatomy quiz. And every year you said, I bring this to parent-teacher conferences. And it has like a diagram. Because <laughs> it's just... I had no idea you did that. Male or female genitalia. I don't remember which. Yeah. Um, I gave just both. A, yeah. Scientifically drawn. Scientifically drawn. Um, and you just have a stack of them sitting there <laughs> while parents, you're, you know, you're talking it with parents. It was not intention.al mm -hmm. It was mm -hmm. just, it happened, it. <laughs> it happened in the calendar. Huh. But I will tell you that I introduced my unit on reproduction and the reproduction system with a pretest every year of both of those oh, no. pictures. Sure that and was horrifying. Um, it's hilarious because they don't want to admit they don't know the names of everything that's down there. Yeah. Uh -huh. And I would say that so. hasn't changed. Like, yeah. That <laughs> hasn't no. suddenly improved. Um, I'm, I'm embarrassed I, to know. I don't know. <laughs> give me a couple weeks. I'm going to give it to my college students oh, wow. and see how well they do. <laughs> wow. I was actually working on health curricular documents this week and the whole time I was like I'm so grateful I don't teach health <laughs> I was like I made such good choices of what I chose or ag we teach some good. of the same things just on different um, 
bodies. That's yeah. right. Yeah. And it's the same way, too. And sometimes I would get ag terms on my male and female. <laughs> and, and Joey and Keck would get the human yeah. ones on the cow well, and the pig well, that's reproduction. Utter. <laughs> <laughs> utter disappointment that they don't know the difference. <laughs> So, Sorry, we really so are we're, going back to lunch. Yeah, yeah, right? <laughs> <laughs> lunch. Uh, so we're talking about policy, and then you said catch you outside. I'm sure there's been a change in like smoking on campus over the years. <laughs> that's uh, so I, I'll just whether mark observed, that. And, <laughs> whether observed or not. Yeah. yeah. For some people, maybe that's yeah. true. <laughs> I, did, I did never smoke, so I never had that problem, but... If we go back educationally, back when I was in school, back again when the dinosaurs were there, our seniors had a smoking lounge yeah. inside yeah, the building. They did. <laughs> That's wild. Um, and wild. Yeah. it was not uncommon to see the teachers go down to the senior smoke lounge to have a cigarette with students and then go back to class and teach. Yeah. And now it's just a vape. The vape lounge. <laughs> no, it's just a vape. That's the bath. That is the bathroom. Yeah. Um, which this is totally a, a tangent. But have you guys seen the highlighter vapes that are now out? What? No. Which should be 100% illegal. Those vape, vape companies. No. So they just yeah. look like a I'll have to look at They're picture. beautiful. They look identical to a highlighter. When I saw the ad, I thought, I want that color highlighter. You definitely want a color with them. And I was like, oh. Oh, that is a vape. Um, and it's not to wow. a purpose. It doesn't also highlight? No. no. Oh, come on. They're missing out. I <laughs> they mean, are. Because then better. you could be like, no, look. And they're it, real cheap. They're real cheap. Real cheap. And wow. they like look identical bucks. to highlighters. And you can't tell me that they made those for adults. Because I don't know any adult who is vaping who is like, let me be sneaky with my highlighter. Because right. um, they don't have to. Because they're adults. Um <laughs> Sorry, that was no. just a, an okay. interesting tangent. I'll show you pictures. I yeah. Okay. Them around my phone. Yeah. Pretty wild. That's Something crazy. for this episode sponsored by. For. <laughs> 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 hey, but if you want to sponsor us, that's clips next. Not Post-it about notes it. next. And Big those Atlantis. are all vapes too. Let's <laughs> yeah, that could be an episode. Is it a vape? <laughs> <laughs> Is it cake? Is it a vape? <laughs> Is it a vape? <laughs> I mean, there were probably hundreds of vapes. In, in that drawer. In that drawer. Do you yeah. know they released info at, I guess, you know, the summer admin conference that they all go to? It was like, you shouldn't keep them all in a drawer. It can actually be bad for your health. Like, to just have them all, like, condensed in that space what? all of the time. And so they're supposed to, like, get rid of them now. Huh. Vape they're drawers they're supposed to just hand them back out to the... The Wait, students so, after is that? I that? mean, Brian gave it to us at the staff party. That's true. He Wait, did our, a Christmas oh, party. Our vapes wow. bag. We did like, like a white, white elephant. elephant. Uh, okay. <laughs> so he had a, a bundle of vapes in a bag as <laughs> one of the white elephants. Maybe you could do like an auction for the community. Surplus. Yeah. I like it. the one with the boobs. I, do you remember what? that? What? That's a big vape. I'm sorry. Bag. What? I don't remember this. <laughs> in his drawer, there was one that had boobs, and I was like shocked. Oh no! It was a lady, like a pinup lady. Is that what you're talking about? It was a vape. 
Yeah, but it wasn't just like <laughs> only booze. <laughs> Maybe I never had access to a vape drawer, whereas you guys had free access. I mean, I mean I'm sorry. I got to meet up at the vape it was, lounge. It was others. I'm sorry. It was others. Yeah. Um, was it like, oh, Amanda, you had a great week. Here, take one. I don't know that I ever saw and they inside. Were the stickers for the teacher's <laughs> gold star. You did great this week. If you guys could go back. And and be a teacher again. Would would you want to teach anything else, like any other course or subject? I think if I went back, knowing what I know now, mm -hmm. as much as I love my special education experience, I'm not sure I love my middle school experience as much as I thought I did when I was going through it. I would go back at the high school level and I would teach what I retired from, which right. was facts, because there are so many skills in that curricular area that kids need. The personal finance, the cooking, the health, the child care, the relationships, um, the resources for jobs and careers and then there's always that leadership aspect of taking that student group and seeing them grow. I had students that were very quiet in class. I threw them into FCCLA. I put them into a competition. And they now are very confident in the jobs that they have now. And so I think that I would not do the elementary and the special ed, I would go right back into the facts area because I see how beneficial it is. I think I would stay at the high school level, which is where my heart is, and I would truly like to go back into the social science department where I started. Um, pretty passionate about that and about that subject matter. And um, I missed, I love the library, but I feel like I could give more to students in the classroom. And honestly, it's going to sound kind of selfish, but I miss being in front of a classroom and sharing that history with them in a passionate way. Um, so it was kind of, in a way, a production. And um, I miss that aspect, Sure. which is I'm not in history now. Yeah. But I'm doing English, and it's kind of fun. Yeah. So there's overlap. Oh yeah, for they do. Sure. They do. Yeah, you can show movies in both. <laughs> <laughs> you can also show them in science. Did you know the same content for English works really well in a science classroom? You don't have to adjust at all. It's amazing. Should show Charlotte's Web. Did you know that there's literature in war? <laughs> what? <laughs> Not. <laughs> of of or just in it in it. In, it. in it sorry that was a <clears throat> so if we come up with a history position you would come back to that district we just need to fill that english position what if i had a hybrid history library position ooh because i do <laughs> <laughs> i would love to talk to you about this at a later time <laughs> um, <Sure>. flexibility <laughs> um who knows maybe we no. could work Wait, on it. Is no. this a job interview now? No. No. Uh, we'll discuss this. This is we'll where the magic happens, folks. <laughs> where the whiteboards are and right. where jobs are made. Behind closed doors. Well, right. I think I you should no use my method power. of just filling out the application for her. 
<laughs> oh, you know. yes. yes. I was like, I'm sorry, what? But that's what you were. Oh, I, I, yeah. I got it. Yeah. It took me a second. Yes. Me a second. Principal Ravens. Yeah. Yes. You've been late to your school, by the way, <laughs> this entire week. That's those people they keep calling. <laughs> <laughs> but Amanda, just so you know, you're also moving school districts. <laughs> I mean, <that's> <laughs> the application has already been accepted. <laughs> it's done. Actually, I probably would not go back full time um, if that opportunity arose. As a sub, I don't quite have all of the responsibility of lesson planning. Well, I say that, but I'm not supposed to have (laughs) all of the responsibility of lesson planning, grading, um, you know, all of the housekeeping stuff that teachers do and stay after and do and put in all the extra hours. And um, not that I wouldn't stay after and help a student, but I don't technically have to have tutoring. And um, yeah, I don't miss all the extra hours. Yeah. (laughs) I really don't. One, I think maybe final, maybe two final questions. My one final question is what made you a lifer in education? So like what about it kept you Coming back year after year. Even after retirement. Yeah, yeah, after retirement. Because you're still here. Um, Yeah, I'm really curious, like, what about this? Because so many teachers are leaving in droves. And so I wonder if there's, you know, maybe advice or maybe just, like, what is that thing that keeps you coming back to school? Seeing successful kids was a huge thing. Um, Knowing that maybe I was a part of that success That was um, a big thing that kept me going back, knowing that kids needed things, knowing that I could provide things to help them. Um, You gotta be a caring person. I mean, it comes down to it when you're teaching, you gotta have compassion. And and that's me. Some people might not think so, but (laughs) that's me. (laughs) They can also catch us um, outside. And also, another thing that kept me going back is the friendships you make. Yeah. Um, I feel like when you work with teachers day in and day out, you make lifetime connections. And it's just fun to work with your good friends. And so, um, funny story, I made a connection with a teacher that worked at that district in the 90s. And I sent a text to them this summer because I don't know why I was bored, but... <laughs> um, and he hired me on. I'm now working a tri-lake basketball shootouts. I worked all summer, and they just called, and they're wanting me to manage the southwest area next summer. Retired, really. <laughs> um, so, But that's because I had a connection with him from teaching with him back in the 1990s. So, um, like I said, helping students, their successes, and the friendships that you make. I think it starts with a passion mm-hmm. for learning yourself. If you are not a lifetime learner, you don't see the importance of education. So I think you have to have a passion for education. All of those things that Kay said, seeing the light go on in a student's eyes. If that's not rewarding for you, you're in the wrong profession. If you don't want to go down the road and have a struggle with a student, in order to get them to a success, you're in the wrong place. Because every classroom is not going to be filled with just successes. You're going to have to struggle to get there. 
And then I agree with the people that you work with. If you don't work with a group of people that you're more like a family than a staff, you don't want to stay in that job. And I think the only other thing I would add is you need an administrator who appreciates, acknowledges the work and the effort you put in. Because if they don't see and appreciate what you're doing, then sometimes the little shining light isn't enough. I never did it for the money. Um, if you do, you're going into the wrong profession. <laughs> sad. Um, I'll tell you a sad story on my brother. I do love my brother. I don't like him sometimes. <laughs> I do love him. But he has an accounting degree, which is great. And he now makes a six-figure salary, and I'm so proud of him. But when I graduated with my education degree, his words of encouragement to me were, well, I hope you enjoy that. You're never going to make any money. <laughs> and now what I get to say is, no, I never made any money like you did. However, I have friendships, connections, and past students who I could call at a second's notice, and I would have that backing. With his six-figure job, he does not have that. And that means more to me than money. Mm -hmm. I hope he never listens to this podcast. <laughs> <laughs> so money should not be your motivator if you're going to teach because it will never happen. I just want to jump in before we have one last question or wrap up. I was talking to secretary at, at a school about how jealous she was about the stories that we tell of the past staff and the team that we had and like how easy it came. And I was like, I don't think it came easy. I think you had really, really masterful teachers who knew that it took a team and were intentional about creating a team. Hmm. Like the amount of social activities or get togethers that you guys put together and invited us young people to gave us the chance, invested in us, helped build us up. All that's intentional. And I realized like, oh my gosh, I'm at the point where now I have to be that person. Um, so thank you <laughs> for giving a little bit of a roadmap, but also still being around to to guide me and and try to build back good teams. Cause it does. Like had that team not been there, um, I don't think any of us would have stuck around nearly as long as we did. Definitely made it easier. Yeah, yeah. absolutely. Or little stuff like we know you're going through something hard, so we got a card, got a gift, and we brought it to you. Yeah. And, or we know you're going through something great, and we want to congratulate you, so yeah. did something to celebrate that. I always I remember the two of you and Anne being heavily oh, involved yeah. Oh, yeah. in all yeah. of those yeah. things, yeah. and yes. That, yes. that does give you that community feel of people who care about you. Yep, your people make a make a world of difference when it comes to, especially your first years of teaching. You know, all of us in this room can actually say that you two were our first kind of mentors. Mm -hmm. So I just want to thank both of our guests today, Mitzi and Kay. You two are just phenomenal. I know you are retired. Again, I use lots and lots of air quotes when I say that, but I do truly, truly respect both of you. Love you both, and you've been incredible to have on the show, but you've also been incredible in our lives. So thank you so much for your service. I think that we can definitely say as teachers, 
it is service that you do. Um, so we thank you for that and your continued work. Thanks for listening to Where the Whiteboards Are. If you have any questions or comments for us, you can re- reach us at WTWA at 277media.com. The opinions expressed in our podcast are that of the individuals and do not represent the opinions of their employers, school districts, or communities in which they work.